The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! I was off by a minute, Mr. Jonathan. Not bad. Not bad at At one fifty-three, I said in six minutes, Paul will be walking through the door. I was off by a minute. Yeah, we need Paul's cha-cha-chas. All right, I think I've got this posted on all the pages that it needs to be posted on. Hey, how you guys doing? You in the yellow car. Good, good. Glad to hear it. Tom Duggan here on the Paying Attention Podcast. We're doing once a month at the moment. Just my life is so busy with the paper, the anniversary, the bash, the book, the movie. Uh, We got so much going on that I just haven't had time to be able to do a show every week, but we're still doing once a month to keep the show going anyway until we can go back to once a week. And um, got a lot of things to get to today. And Paul, my uh, co-host, Paul Morano, who does a a column called Beneath the Sheets. No, I'm sorry. Beneath the Surface. Sorry. Beneath the Surface. Um, That was... Chris Eldridge paid me $10 to do that, um, uh, is with us today, and we're glad to have Paul here uh, because we've got uh, at least one abortion discussion to have, actually, at least in the second. Actually, oh, we do talk a lot about what goes on beneath the sheets, on beneath the surface. Right, that's true. Yeah. 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 Um, my friend Chris Eldridge wanted to know, we can talk about it in the next segment, um, um, about the uh, natural, natural and unnatural sex acts. Ah. He, he was kind of joking I, about that this morning. I actually thought that would get uh, some somebody's uh, ire. So that's why I kind of wrote it. Yeah. Um, all right. So listen, yeah. uh, we, we lots of things to get to, Paul. Now, Paul, I don't know. Have you been following me? I know you don't really follow me at all, even though you, <laughs> even though like you know you're co-host of my show. Well, oh, um, have you month. followed me at all in the last week? Have you seen the movie trailer? Are you up on things? I saw the movie trailer. You did. I did. Wow. Yeah, I lost, lost ten bucks. Yeah, you lost a bet on that one. I won yeah. ten and I lost ten. Okay, so, so, I'm so now you're zero. even. Yeah. Uh, how about how about me um, uh, reading your uh, column? Do, w- d- any over under on that one? No, nobody even wanted to take that bet. <laughs> well, I got I got through it. You that, did. That was the uh, page two, right? Your editorial. The editorial. Page two? Right, okay. Right, right. Okay. Yep. Got that. Um, so got we can talk though. about all of that stuff. Uh, we've got tons of things to get to, and I really want to start with the movie. Um, it is a documentary, kind of. I mean, they're calling it a documentary, but it's really kind of a, it's a Hollywood production, and um, the uh, we brought the movie trailer. And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna show it. It's only about three minutes long. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about it. Um, these these guys from Hollywood knocked on my door uh, two summers ago and said, "Look, we're we're here from Hollywood." They, they walked in with these huge, big, huge cameras, like like the size of me. <coughs> I'm going to try not to do that during the show. They came into my. They knocked on my door randomly. They said. Um, we're in Lawrence. We're doing a movie about the opioid crisis. We've been interviewing a bunch of homeless people, and everybody we talk to says, you're the guy we should be talking to. So can we interview you? And I was like, great. So they interviewed me for it was supposed to be 15 minutes. turned out to be like three hours. Uh, and then they kept coming back, and they kept doing more, and they asked if they could ride around with me while I was chasing police calls. And uh, we went to overdose calls and Narcan calls and fires and shootings. Um, and uh, They didn't contract the trip? No, I may, I may as well because listen, the, it's going to sound self-serving, but look, the, the Eagle Tribune hires kids out of college that don't know anything. None of them are from Lawrence. None of them spend any time in Lawrence. Mm-hmm. The only time the Tribune's in Lawrence is to go to a city council meeting, cover it, and then leave. So they're not really up on what's going on in Lawrence, other than like what elected officials are doing, um, which is good because if they gone to the Tribune, they would probably wouldn't have got much anyway. Um, and I was, you know, I was very hesitant during the making of this film. Uh, when they came to me, I said, look, I'm, I'm happy to do, I'm happy to interview with you. I'm happy to point you in the right direction, give you some of my contacts that work with homeless people, that work with addicts. Um, and I did on one condition. And that's that I don't want this movie to trash Lawrence. 
I don't want this movie to be that just Lawrence sucks. No. I want it to. I want it to be because what's happening in Lawrence is happening everywhere. Just that in Lawrence, it's more visible because it's a city, and you've got a seven square mile. It's a small city, actually. It's a, it's vastly populated, but a small yeah small area. You've got you've got seven square miles for the city of Lawrence, but at least two and a half of those miles is a river that runs right through the middle of it. And then if you deduct all the churches and the cemeteries and the parks, you've really mm. only got like two and a half to three miles of inhabitable land. So you've got ninety thousand people crammed into like two and a half to three miles. That's so of course, whatever problems Lawrence has, it's going to be much more on the surface. You're going to see it more. Be- because of those factors. And so what I really wanted to make sure, if I had something to do with this project, because I'm always getting accused of trashing Lawrence. Anytime I post a story about a shooting, a fire, mm. or something bad that happens, um, all the little snowflakes in Lawrence, especially the young people, come on my page and start whining and crying like little girls. You're making Lawrence look bad. You're being mean. All you do is trash Lawrence. You must be a racist. Racism! And this is what I listen to every single time I post anything negative about Lawrence. Because there's a lot of people in Lawrence with an inferiority complex. And they feel as though, like, for Mm. some reason, anytime anybody says anything bad, they have to somehow defend Lawrence, even if what is going on is indefensible. Uh, And we saw that this week on my page with with this movie, with this documentary. Um, So they agreed to that. And after watching the trailer and watching the actual uh, film, Mm. I think... I think that they've accomplished that. Does it make Lawrence look bad? Yeah, because Lawrence looks bad, right? But it wasn't a movie trashing Lawrence. It was it was showing that Lawrence is the hub of the opioid crisis in New England, but this is everywhere. What is the goal? What was the goal of the movie? To show that in order to what? In order to try and find a way to solve mm. the problem, right. in order to get people from the outside. Here's the thing. And do you think it solved that? Do you think it uh, that that end came I th- was clear? I th- I think we yes. Yeah. I think okay. I think the producers of the movie accomplished that quite well. Um, they showed a lot of good things about Lawrence. They showed a lot of people who are fighting really hard. Um, some people who have turned their lives around. Uh, there's one guy, Anthony Sideri, who had robbed a bank, was a heroin dealer, was a heroin user, has turned his life around, and now he speaks to kids in high schools all over Massachusetts. Uh, about the opioid crisis, about staying straight, about staying clean. And I think that, I think that they've accomplished that. Um, one of the things that I think this movie also shows, and you saw it on my page if you followed me the last few days, is that there, and I wrote a column about this because of what was going on on my Facebook page, is that there's this prevailing attitude in Lawrence that anybody from outside has, should have no say about what goes on in the city. All I get is, okay. you're, you're not from Lawrence. You're an outsider. Well, actually, I am from Lawrence. I lived in Lawrence for 40 years of my life. And just because I don't live in Lawrence now doesn't mean I shouldn't have a say because not for anything, but most of the people who live in Lawrence aren't even, not, are not only not from Lawrence, but they're not even from this country. <laughs> right. I mean, you grew up in Lawrence. Right? I mean, yeah. I, I grew up in Lawrence when Lawrence went from being a pretty great city to a pretty crappy city. And I was there for the transition, and I was there long after the transition. And So, so this, you have a perspective that not, not a lot of people have that, right. that are actually living in Lawrence. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But this prevailing thought that, oh, that outsiders shouldn't ever have anything bad to say about Lawrence is very hypocritical, given the fact that, as I said, most people who live in Lawrence are not only not from Lawrence, they're not from this country. Hmm. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. What I'm saying is, if you're going to brag that you're an immigrant city, where most of the people who live there aren't from this country... Hmm. then it's awfully hypocritical to attack people who are outsiders who are trying to call attention to Lawrence's problems and maybe try to fix them. Well, that's just it. You know, if, if you're calling attention to Lawrence's problems just to trash them, that's, that's a whole different ballgame than right. calling attention to the, the problems to, in order to try to fix them. Right. And this being my dad's birthday, I think if there's anybody, ah, on, wow. the, if there's anybody on the planet who has a right to hate Lawrence... Who has a right to trash Lawrence? It's me. And yet I try not to do wow. that. I try to help the homeless. I try, there's a lot of things that I do that I don't even talk about publicly. Uh, I've, gone, I've, I've, I've done more in my lifetime to try to help the city of Lawrence than most of the little snowflakes who came on my page this week yelling and screaming that I should have no say because I don't live in Lawrence anymore. Uh, quick tangent. How, how old would your father have been today? He was born in 1947. Am I right? 72? So you've been 72. 72, wow. Thanks to Rich, because I went to Lawrence. I, I can't do math. 
All right, so I, I can't do I can't. My do mother's that. birthday tomorrow, and she's oh, going no to kidding. be eighty-seven. Yeah, it's funny because my dad's birthday is March seventh. Yeah, he was beaten on March thirteenth. Yeah. He died on March sixteenth. We buried him on March nineteenth. So March is a tough month for me. Mm-hmm. It's also, by the way, March is our fifteenth anniversary. Right now, our fifteenth anniversary. We started the not on purpose, <coughs> but we started the Valley Patriot in March of two thousand four. So when we decided to do our when we decided to do a bash, an anniversary bash for the Valley Patriot, it was like, wow. I mean, we're doing it in March. That's the anniversary of the paper. Let's work all this together. And so that's when we decided to do like an Officer Tom Duggan Hero mm-hmm. Public Safety Award and give at the bash an award to a police officer and a firefighter who've yes. done heroic things in my father's name, but honoring those that, you know, that were given when the award you, to. When did you start those bashes? Was it a few, a few years after the paper began? No. We, we, well, we tried, we tried to do it like on our fifth anniversary. Right. But the girlfriend that I was with at the time, nobody wanted to work with her. Mm. So we tried to put like a little committee together and my friends were having no part of it because they didn't want to deal with her. So I broke up with that girlfriend uh, in 2011. So in 2012, we had our first bash because Mm. all my friends were like, well, listen, now that you're not with her anymore and she's not, you know, involved in the daily running of the paper, we're in. Right. So in 2012, we had our first bash. It was at the uh, VFW in North Andover. Small place. Charlie Baker came. Richard Desai came. We had a lot of... um, a lot of dignitaries came, and they all came and gave us gifts. Hmm. And people were like, hey, Tom, it's your anniversary. Here, we got you something. And we walked, up, we walked out of there with all these gifts thinking, this is not why we did this. Hmm. We wanted to do something because all of our writers email their columns in. They don't come into an office. So they don't, right. Most of them don't know each other. And my drivers show up at the warehouse when they feel like it, pick up papers, and go do their route. So the drivers don't even really know each other unless they cross paths. And our advertisers, they're from all over the Merrimack Valley. They don't know each other either. So we, uh, the idea of the bash was to get all the people involved in the paper in the same room and have well, them meet each other and, and celebrate that, like, we're the hub of all of these different people from different walks of life. Can I give you a critique on that one? Sure. From, from years of experience of going to this, perhaps you should have a, a table or two that's set apart just for Valley Patriot volunteers and employees so that we know who's who. Like when I walk in there, I, I really don't know who's who does all of these uh, odd jobs of yours because I've like never met na- them. Yeah, maybe like a name tag, like you know, Rich Russell, photographer, and either that or, or, or just let us sit together at a table, maybe. Or, know, or would that take nobody, take up too much? Money? Nobody wants to sit with you, Paul. That's oh, the problem. Okay, well, that that's always a problem. But um, as long as my name tag says Mr. Jonathan, voice of God, voice I'll, of God, right? I, yeah. I would I'd be happy to sit with you, Paul. All right. Oh, okay. All good. right, very good. Well, Paul's got one person to sit at this table. But, but Are you even coming this year, by oh, the way? Oh, I don't know. Who knows? I don't even know what it is. April 5th, is it? Yes, it's year? April 5th. Oh, first April one. You, it you is usually do them in March. Only because we couldn't right. get a Friday at the Relief Inn, which is where we have had it since the fir- first year we had it at the VFW. It was so big, we had to move it to the mm. Relief Inn, Huge, uh, which, is the o- which is the only place that can hold the number of people that we have at this event. Um, and we've been having it at the Relief Inn ever since. Um, so it was our 12th anniversary was our first one. This is now our... F- no, is that right? Oh, no, it was our it was our eighth nine, it was our eighth eighth anniversary was the first one in 2012. Okay. I'm gonna have to do some math because I again <laughs> yeah, I, no, went that to, was, yeah, started, I went to Lawrence High School. You started in 04, then right. that would make sense. So uh, so yeah, we but we couldn't get it in a Friday. We want we we want a Friday, and um, we couldn't get one in March. So they said the best we could do is April 5th, which screws up our April printing. We're gonna come out late in April. And I was like, okay, well, fine. Just we'll, we'll just work with it. Like I'm, I, I can I can roll with anything. Give me a date, and we'll just do it then. So we're gonna do it April fifth at the Firefighters Relief Inn, One Market Street in Lawrence. And uh, boy, do we have a great do we have a, a great program for? Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to hold back a cough. Boy, do we have a great program for everybody. Prospect Hill, the band Prospect Hill is gonna come. They're gonna play a set. <laughs> we have um, Boston's best comedian Johnny Joyce is gonna join us. We have Jeff Deal, former candidate for United States Senate. He ran against Elizabeth Warren. Now you can hear him on WRKO. I don't know if he's on every day, but the only time I listen to RKO is Wednesday when I'm in my car. Um, I drive people to dialysis on Wednesday, so I listen to RKO on my way. And um, and, I hear, and I hear Jeff Deal, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I hear Jeff Deal on RKO. So I don't know. Maybe Jeff's on every day, but I only, I only hear him on Wednesdays. He's going to be at the bash. Uh, we might even make him our keynote speaker. We're still trying to work out what everybody's role is going to be, even though we're three weeks out. Um, and the other thing is we, we, puppy girl Kate Whitney may be coming, but she's not going to MC. 
Tony Wakester, who was our MC last year, may be coming, but she's not going to be our MC. So we're still working on an MC. And I think I've, we made the decision this morning, Rich and I and Brenda and Maria uh, and Chris Eldridge, strangely enough, showed up at our bash committee meeting this morning. Uh, and I think we agreed that we're going to let Kiana be the. Uh, I suggested that last week, right. and I was just—it was on the tip of my tongue right yeah. now. I was waiting for you to stop your sentence to yeah. say, "Why not Kiana?" Yeah, no, it was—it was a great suggestion, and I—I I should kill myself for not thinking of it because she's here, right? She does yeah. the show, and she's yeah, she's very so, articulate. Uh, and, and and I do have a uh, uh, a little a little confession, What's public that? confession about Kiana, because right. most people don't know because I don't tell people she's my sister. So, and the only reason why I have to give that disclaimer, Mr. Voice of God, is I don't know if you saw the post, but uh, well, while these little snowflakes were trashing me the other day, uh, they went and they found a picture of me and Kiana and then posted it and intimated that I was into little girls because Kiana looks like she's like a teenager. She's, she's not. She's like 25. Uh, and they were like, oh, look, look, he likes younger girls. And I'm like, fucking idiots. That's my sister, you morons. So it was just, it was just out, of, out of full disclosure, let people know. Um, I don't let people know when she's on the show because we'd have this like little flirty thing that we do because that's kind of like what I do with everybody. Yeah. And I didn't want people to know she was my yeah. sister. It kind of yeah, kind of kills weird. it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it kind of kills it. So, um, so back to the movie. I mean, there's so much going on. We had the 15th anniversary of the Valley Patriot is out. Yeah. It's being delivered now. Came out yesterday. We have uh, the 15th anniversary bash, which we'll talk a little bit more about later. You can get your tickets. We have scholarships, all kinds of things. We could use some donations. Uh, but while all this is going on, I got a phone call from Hollywood last week, and they said, "Hey, Tom, we're releasing." What's so funny? Just, just that one line, uh, and everything's going on. By the way, I got a phone call from Hollywood last week, and uh, no, it's not. It's not a sentence I say every week. Right. Well, you know? yeah, me neither. Right. Yeah. But I get a phone call, and I look down, and it says Hollywood, California. Yeah. And I answer it, and it's uh, DJ Browner, who is the owner of the film. Um, and I think executive producer, I'm sorry if I get the uh, title wrong, and he said, uh, hey, Tom, we're going to actually release the movie on Vimeo, V-I-M-E-O.com, on Friday, and we'd like you to have the breaking news story. We want you to be the one to break it. Uh, We're going to let you break it online, and we're not even going to post it until after your story's been up for a couple of hours. So you post it, you'll be the first one. Mm. And then we're going to let it go live like a few hours later. Solid move. Right? And, well, I mean, you know, I appreciate that because, you know, we worked very, very well together with these guys. And um, so they they released the movie trailer. We pushed it online. Seems to be getting a good response. But for those of you who haven't seen it, it's about three minutes long. We'd like to show it. Is that okay, Paul? Yeah, Is it, you okay with that? Okay, yeah, sure. All right, well, let's, let's do it. Let's, uh, let's show people the movie trailer. We come back. We'll talk a little bit about it, and then we'll take a break. This is fentanyl. A lot of people are ODing off this left and right. I don't know how. They're a bunch of pussies or they just don't have a habit. I love the city of Lawrence. My father died trying to protect the city. It breaks my heart to see what it is now. You drive down now and it looks like a third world country. I like to tell people all the time, Lawrence is a small town with big city problems. There is something ugly that's making its presence felt. Yeah, you. And we're playing along. The streets of Lawrence are a hub in an opioid network that spans all of northern New England. A mother passed out on the floor after overdosing on heroin. Lawrence is a rough town. There's a lot of drugs coming in this town. Heroin is ruining this town. Shootings, stabbings, overdoses. We can do something, but we're doing nothing. Decapitations is a new one. Parents say, not my kid. It can be your kid, and you never know. And it's easy for it to happen. It's happening here. It's happening in our neighborhood. It's happening where we live. People think of heroin use. They're not thinking of this, of these homes. But nobody wants to see the kid in the basement. They think this is the problem down here, and it's just not the case anymore. It's everywhere. You can get Xanax. You can get heroin. Here's their Instagram, or here's their Snapchat. I'll hook you up with it. You can walk down by the school and there you'll see needles. We just thought it was no big deal. Going and robbing a bank was like a like a routine thing. Like we already had the drugs waiting, the rooms booked, it was weird. How many more people are gonna die before it ends? If it doesn't, if I haven't changed, I'm gonna die. This is coming to your town. It's not already there. Your town may not look like Lawrence. Your town, your city may look nicer, but this is a microcosm for the rest of the country. This is everywhere. I'm not giving up. 
I'm going to fight till I don't have a breath left. My daughters, they're four and one. By the time they're older, I need this to not be a problem. And I'll do anything I can to make that happen. I got goosebumps. It's a good town, man. Coop! You know, it's a good city. No, so I think it's, it's a town. A lot of town. Coop! That was Coop at the end. He's one of our homeless guys that we've helped out. He's actually in housing now. He's staying with somebody, right. so he's off the street. Very, awesome. very basic question. Why not just call it Lawrence? What, what was Lawtown? Is that just a sort of a creative kind of thing somebody came up with? Lawtown is what the criminals call Lawrence. Oh, they do? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. All right. So, and, and not just the criminals, but that's where it started. The, the, the criminals call mm-hmm. Lawrence Lawtown. So, in other words, it's Lawless Town. Right. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, and, uh, so you can get, it's nine ninety nine, and you can watch it as many times as you want. You own the movie once you buy it. Okay. Uh, you go to Vimeo, V-I-M-E-O.com. You can get it there. And I guess there's also like iOS and a couple of other places you can get it. Uh, but I'm not familiar with any of those. So I only know Vimeo cause I'm not really technically savvy, uh, at all. Uh, I, I really think that if this movie can be seen all over the country, it can change the debate. It can change the discussion, the way we're doing it now isn't working. How, how, how do you think it could change it? Well, in what I, respect? People think that we can arrest our way out of the problem. Okay. We can't. The war on drugs has been a miserable failure. Um, the, the government is doing almost nothing to help mm. people get into. Like if you're addicted right now, there's no beds if you want to go into detox. Like there's a waiting list. We have to pull strings. I go through Carry at House of Mercy, and um, there's a couple people at Tuxby Detox that we work with. And if we find somebody that really wants to go into detox and they're on the streets, we have to pull strings to get them in. It's not like, you know... Uh, so you should focus more on rehab than on, on uh, law enforcement. I think, I think rehab is important because if there are people who are addicted who want to get clean, you get them clean. Because if they're clean, they're not using drugs. They're not breaking into people's homes to get money to buy drugs. They're not committing crimes. They're not living on the streets, and then maybe their the, families might even well, take them back. A problem with that is that I would guess that most of them don't want to get clean. You're, you're right about that. I would say the majority of the people we deal with on the streets in Lawrence, which, wh- which, is, which is a microcosm for the rest of the country, so it's the same everywhere, most of them don't want help, um, but they don't want help right now. Here's the thing that, yep. I have, that I have found from doing this for a while. I started with one guy, Steve Gonzalo. He was a veteran. He was holding a sign one day, and I pulled up, and I got a, jumped out of my car and said, you better effing put that sign away. You're not a veteran, and you're not going to pretend you're a veteran to get money for your effing drugs. And he pulled out his DD-214, and I felt about two inches tall because he really is a veteran. Okay. So, I, so then I felt so bad I wanted to help the guy. So we reached out to our bash committee people and our advertisers, mm. and we raised a little bit of money. We opened up a tab for him at a restaurant mm. so that he could at least eat every day. Because the money he was getting when he, while he was panhandling was going to drugs. Because all they care about is their next fix. Heroin and fentanyl is so powerful that it changes the chemistry of your brain. Sure. And it makes you want the drugs. The drugs become more of a need than food. Mm. It becomes more of a need than sleep. It becomes more of a need than water. And that's how it physiologically changes your brain. And we wanted to make sure the guy at least was eating so he would live. If he wasn't going to die from an overdose, at least he's going to keep eating. So I did that for a while. He didn't want to go into detox. He didn't want to get clean. Said he did one mm-hmm. day, and we drove down there with Randy from Veterans Northeast Housing, uh, uh, Veterans Northeast Outreach, and he changed his mind between the time he had said yes and the time Randy got there. Mm-hmm. We did that like nine more times. But eventually, he said yes. And eventually, he did go and get clean. And then he relapsed, and then he went and he got clean again. Now, Kiana's been on this show, and she's talked about it openly. She went like six times before she got clean, all right? So you're right that most people who are addicted don't want to get clean right now. Mm. But if they know that it's available for them, and you keep telling them that it's available for them, and you keep offering it to be available Then at the right moment, they might. At the right moment, when they hit rock bottom, when they think that this is the only way I'm going to be able to survive is to get clean, most of them will. Yeah, unfortunately, when a lot die. The, uh, when does the movie officially drop? It's dropped. It's up. The movie itself is you, up. Already. Yeah, it's on Vimeo.com. So if you look at the, if you watch the trailer at the bottom, if you scroll down, there's a little button that says buy for nine ninety nine, and you can buy it right now. You can, you can. I don't know if you download it, you just watch it up online, but you can watch it as many times as you want. I watched it like six times. And I paid for my movie. So people were calling me going, hey, Tom, how do I get it for free? You can't get it for free. I couldn't get it for free. But it's nine ninety nine, and it's well worth it. And I'm, what I'm hoping is that it's going to change the discussion of the opioid crisis 
in the country that this is human devastation that's going on and it's not just uh, minorities, it's not just poor people, it's rich white Andover kids, it's rich white uh, kids from Londonderry, New Hampshire, it's poor people, it's rich people, it's white people, it's black people, it's, it's brown people. Um, and, and once we take away the stigma of who it is that these so-called junkies are, um, I, I think that makes it a little easier for us to try and find ways to do interdiction. You know, in Lawrence, there is no services provided by the city for the homeless, much less the, the addicted. And yet year after year, people run for office promising to care for the downtrodden and the poor and the helpless. And then they get in and they argue about stupid stuff about why so-and-so got hired without a, without a certification and why so-and-so's got $10,000 off their tax bill. And everything becomes about politics and insider baseball. And nobody really tackles the problem. Certainly the mayor of Lawrence hasn't done shit to tackle this problem. Um, he's, he's trying to throw... He thinks if he just throws homeless people out of the city, they're just going to keep leaving. But he, Dan Rivera and, and the majority of the city council seem to believe that the homeless and the addicts come to Lawrence because this is where the services are. They're wrong. They come to Lawrence because this is where the drugs are. It's not because, because there aren't really very many services, Paul. I mean, there's some. There's soup kitchens. We've talked about it. There's places where they can eat. There's, a, there's one shelter with 55 beds, and there's 300 homeless people in the city of Lawrence. Well, we're talking about, in a sense, we're talking about the symptoms, and as much as a rehab is an important part of this whole thing, but just the fact that you said Lawrence is where the drugs are. Right. The next question is why is Lawrence where the drugs are? And why can't that be stopped? Is it possible that there can be an all-out, um, I don't know, effort that stops this? Since Donald Trump, like him or not, since Donald Trump has become president, he has made it a priority to try and clean up Lawrence. We have an alphabet soup of federal agencies doing raids in Lawrence on a daily basis. The FBI, the DEA, Drug Enforcement Agency, the U.S. Marshals, they're in Lawrence on a re- the State Police Task Force, State Police Gang Force, State Police Fugitive Task Force. <coughs> is it helping to get drugs out of Lawrence? Yes, and the evidence is, if you look at the crime stats over the last year, hmm. violent crime has significantly gone down. It's like 50%. Now, that doesn't mean Lawrence is crime-free. Mm-hmm. It's certainly not because right. it was so high to begin with that a 50% reduction would still double everybody else. But it is making a difference. And I think also having a new police chief with a different attitude, uh, a very proactive attitude, uh, some of the things that he does I don't like, but I understand where he's coming from. He's trying to tackle a very big problem. Uh, I think that's also helping. I think having Roy Vasque where he is is also helping. And I think that there's because we have a new chief with a new attitude, that attitude filters down in the police department all the way down to patrolmen. So, yes, I think that it can be helped, but one of the problems, one of the roadblocks in helping Lawrence get better is that you have people like Dan Rivera who try to exploit racial fears and make it a racial issue. Here are the facts. This is not racism. The majority of the drugs in Lawrence are coming in from the Dominican Republic. They're coming in from the Dominican Republic because the majority of the people in Lawrence are Dominican. And the mayor himself is Dominican? He is half Dominican, half Puerto Rican. Okay. Um, And so the, as the, this isn't Tom Duggan speaking, as the U.S. Attorney Lellen said, that the Dominican drug cartels have family members in Lawrence and they use their family members as a network to funnel the drugs into Lawrence, then they package it here and they distribute it from Lawrence to the rest of this, to the rest of uh, New England. And I think, you know, it needs to be an all out effort on everybody's part. And those who whine and cry that outsiders are bad-mouthing Lawrence and making us look bad, they're only helping the drug dealers. They're only Mm. helping the criminals because it's outsiders. It's clear that the people of Lawrence can't handle this problem on their own. If they could, they would have fixed it by now. Mm. We need the the interdiction of outside law enforcement agencies and, by the way, the taxpayers of surrounding communities to try and band together with the good people in Lawrence – the people who want to make things better, the people who don't want to stick their heads in the sand and try to make this, this problem go away. And as you can see, it's not just Lawrence. Lawrence is, like, like, like the movie said, the hub. But all of those, um, all of those tentacles that go all the way up to Manchester right. and, and this way and that way, it's the entire region that's being uh, infiltrated. It's like, it's like Federal Express. When Federal yeah. Express first started as a company, if I, if I Federal Express a package to you and you live next door to me, it still goes to their central hub mm. first. Yes. Then it gets sorted. And then it goes to you, even though you're next door. And that's what's happening in Lawrence. 
the, the fentanyl is coming into Lawrence through the Dominican Republic, mostly some through Mexico. Um, and then it gets packaged, it gets weighed, it gets cut. The fentanyl is, is, is the fentanyl labs all over the city. And then it goes to Manchester, New Hampshire, Concord, New Hampshire, Burlington, Vermont, uh, Maine. It goes all over New England. And um, before we hit, uh, hit our break, uh, one of the things that people need to keep in, keep in mind if you want to try to deny that that's the problem. The DEA did a raid last year, and I put this in my column this week. And when they, after they were done with the raid, they gave a very startling statistic. And that statistic is this. A finger of heroin in Lawrence costs about $400. That same finger of heroin in Concord, New Hampshire is six to $800. And that same finger of heroin in parts of Maine, you can fetch 1000 to $2,000 for that. So, of course, we know through basic economics that things are the cheapest where they are the most plentiful. Anyone who says Lawrence isn't really the hub of the opioid crisis just needs to think about basic economics. There's a reason why the drug dealers come to Lawrence because they can buy a finger of heroin for 400 bucks, drive it up to Maine and get $1,200 for it. It's easy money. And if Lawrence wasn't the hub of the opioid crisis, those statistics wouldn't exist. That wouldn't happen. Hmm. Hmm. You say a lot of it comes from the Dominican. What about Central and South America? Um would a wall do do this good? I mean, would, would that be a partial solution to this whole thing? Um, well, obviously, I think a wall would solve a lot of our problems. I don't think it would solve Lawrence's problem because majority of the drugs coming into Lawrence come from the Dominican Republic, and they don't come through the Mexican border. They come in through ports of entry. They come in, people fly them in. Mm. Um, they, they bring them from the Dominican to Florida, and they drive them up into Lawrence or to New York, and they drive them up to Lawrence, or they fly them into Lawrence. <coughs> Lawrence is so packed, so densely packed that it's very difficult for law enforcement to find out where these fentanyl labs are, to find out where these heroin uh, packaging distribution places are. And when DEA comes in and does a raid, and I've been to some of those raids, and I'm sitting there waiting for them to show up because I get a tip in advance, I'm sitting outside a house or a half a block away from a house that I know that they're going to raid and can't believe where I am. Like, I'm in a nice neighborhood. It's not always on Lawrence mm. Street or Alder Street or Basswood Street. You know, sometimes it's in a nice neighborhood in Lawrence on, on uh, Springfield Street or Osgood Street where there are kids outside playing, and all of a sudden the DEA vans pull up, and they cordon off the, the block, and they go in, and they knock the door, in and they pull people out. And you go, wow, like, you would drive down this neighborhood, and you would think, well, at least this is one nice neighborhood in Lawrence. Because from the outside, that's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. But you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. You just don't know. I'd like to do beneath the surface one of these days on the the, um, the demand. Why there's such a demand for yes. this? Because I mean, the drug explosion and the pornography explosion kind of happened simultaneously. Somehow, I knew you'd work pornography into. Well, it. I mean, what what are the two biggest uh, addictions today? That's well, you're probably right about that. One kills you, though. The other one kind of does. One kills you, and the other kills your soul. Actually, right. they both do. Really? Guess I'm going to hell. Back after this on Paying Attention. A&M Auto Body. We got our friend Angelo over there. Angelo Mamolo over there. He does great work on your car. So if you got a ding in your car, somebody hits you, you got a mechanical problem, you bring it to A&M Auto. He's on South Broadway in Lawrence on Inman Street. Angelo will take care of you. Um, so what's the address there? 341 Three- South Broadway, Lawrence, Massachusetts. I don't know why these guys love me so much. I really don't. But Twin Lights, let me tell you how, how dedicated I am to helping my sponsors. The guys at Twin Lights Security needed an extra security guy to do private investigations and to do security for a certain thing in Boston. And they posted it on my page and asked if it was okay if they could use my page to solicit hiring people. And I said, you know what? As busy as I am, these guys sponsor the show. They sponsor the Valley Patriot. They give us $1,000 for the bash. I'm going to go work for these guys. So I called up Pat McLaughlin. And I said, look, you help us every single time we need something. Whenever I put out a call, you're there. If you need an extra person in your short, I'll take the night off and I'll come work for you. And so I, ha- so I have been. I've been doing some work for them because they're helping us. And so there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to find a way to help them in the meantime. So if you need security or if you're getting divorced and you need a private investigator, if you have a business and you need a private investigator or security, uh, you want to call Twin Lights Security. They're based out of Gloucester, but they're very local. If while I'm driving around Lawrence, I get shot and killed, make sure you get my body to Perez Funeral Home because we do business with the people who do business with us. 
and he's on South Broadway with the old, it, it's the old Scott Funeral Home. If you were if you're an old time Lawrence resident, it's the old Scott Funeral Home on, on South Broadway. Perez Funeral Home at two ninety eight South Broadway in Lawrence. Um, you can they do crematory services. They do all the stuff that they're supposed to do, right? And uh, Mike's a, a big fan of the show. He followed us when we go live. He's an advertiser now in the print edition of the paper, and he's now sponsoring this program. Perez Funeral Home and Crematory Services, 298 South Broadway in Lawrence. We appreciate him. Franklin Veloz from Veloz Auto Group. Uh, he specializes in people that have uh, maybe bad credit, no credit. Maybe you haven't had a job for a long period of time, so you don't think that maybe you qualify for a car loan. Usually, you know, they want you to have a job for a year or more. Uh, he specializes in getting people who have bad credit or no credit or maybe spotty credit, uh, getting them into a used car. He used to work for Charlie Dare's Commonwealth Motors for a long, long time, so he knows his stuff. I think he was the credit manager over there or something. So he knows what he's doing, and um, and he follows us live, too. I really appreciate that he does. Every time I see him pop on, I'm very excited about it. And I was there yesterday to deliver his newspaper, and he said he's already had customers come in from us talking about him on this show. So we appreciate Veloz Auto Group. Go see Franklin. He's at 17 Mass Ave. It's right at the very beginning of Mass Ave on the Lawrence North Andover line. I'm actually starting to like that bumper music. I used to really, really, really hate it. It's starting to grow on me a little bit, though. I'm very persuadable. Welcome back to the Paying Attention Podcast. Paul Morano, my co-host, is here. Or what, my are you co-host officially now? I guess I don't think so. No, okay. no I am uh, your your special guest. Special guest, yes. Paul Morano from Beneath <laughs> the Surface. He writes a column in our paper every uh, every month. And um, as much as I like to stay on this local stuff, I would I, I feel bad having Paul here and then not talking about his stuff. Yeah, I don't need to talk about my stuff. Oh, all right. Well, I ahead. do a whole show on my stuff. All right, then we'll go back to this. Um, uh, Rich Russell, my uh, one of my photographers. Uh, my main photographer, head photographer, uh, said we should also mention that Lawrence is a trust act city. It's not a uh, sanctuary city. Uh, What's the difference in, the, in a nutshell? The difference is a sanctuary city, the police are by law not allowed to work with federal law enforcement if they get an illegal alien. If they arrest a rapist or a drug dealer and they're an illegal alien, they're not allowed to notify law enforcement. A trust act city is they can, um, but only for like violent felonies, hmm. right? Um they are not going to. They're not going to hold you, right? If they arrest you, you're in They're not going to hold you until ICE decides to come get you. But they will notify ICE, and if ICE shows up before you get bailed out, they'll turn you over. Okay. So that that basically that's the that's the difference between the two. What's great though is that Lawrence Mayor Dan Rivera and the city councilors and the elected officials in Lawrence always refer to Lawrence as a sanctuary city because that plays with their political base. And the political base in Lawrence wants Lawrence to be a sanctuary city. Mm. So all of the criminals come into Lawrence <laughs> thinking Lawrence is a sanctuary city until they get locked up and they go, wait, what do you mean you're turning me over to ICE? Wait, hold on a minute. <laughs> we thought this was a sanctuary city. Surprise. So uh, that's one of the things that the, the liars in uh, politics in Lawrence, it, it's got an un- unintended consequence that kind of works in our favor. Um, we do have our 15th anniversary bash coming up. April 5th at the Firefighters Relief Inn. Tickets are $35. Where else can you get for $35 in advance, $40 at the door? Where else can you go out with your date for like $35 a piece, have uh, a free meal? Salvatore's Restaurant in Lawrence is catering for free. They're going to have a delicious Italian meal for you. We've got comedian Johnny Joyce, Boston's Best. We have the band Prospect Hill, which I was talking to Mark Roberge and Adam Fithian yesterday. They're in Los Angeles right now cutting a new record, which is amazing. Uh, and then they're going to be coming back, and hopefully they'll play a couple of their new songs. Uh, last time they came, it was five years ago they came, and we were trying to figure out, because a lot of elderly people come to the bash, a lot of older people come. We're trying to figure out, like, you know, these guys are like heavy metal rock guys. How are they going to pull this off without, like, driving everybody out of the room? And without me even saying anything, they figured it out on their own. They just got up and did their songs unplugged. So instead of having a drum set, uh, Mark had bongos, right? And instead of having electric guitars, they brought in acoustic acoustic guitars. And they did their songs acoustically. They did them unplugged. And the audience, believe it or not, because I thought my audience was going to hate this, they loved it. They stayed for every minute of it. Like Everybody was still in the room by the time they were done playing. So we asked them to come back because this is our very special 15th anniversary edition 
of the Valley Patriot. And I got to be honest with you, Paul, the 15th year was the hardest. Why? This last year was the hardest year we've had in 15 years. Why? Lawsuits or something? The lawsuit, um, you know, draining resources out of us. Um, and that up until 2011, it was me and my girlfriend running the paper. Yeah. And then when we broke up, it was just me running the paper. And without a lawsuit, I was managing, but barely, but I was managing. And then with the lawsuit, it kind of put us underwater a little bit. Um, but things are turning around. I mean, I'm getting more and more phone calls from people who want to advertise in the paper. And I think the fact that we've been here for 15 years, most people who have heard of us don't realize we've been around this long. And I think once they realize, and I've been told by a few people, I had no idea you've been around for 15 years. I want to advertise with you. It, it shows that we've got staying power. It shows that we're legitimate and that we're not going anywhere. And, and so that's, that's helped us turn it around a little bit. We've got a lot more new advertisers this month, which is great. And hopefully that will continue through the next six months or a year. And, uh, and hopefully next year for the 16th anniversary, God willing, we have one, uh, we'll be in much better financial shape. What is your most fulfilling part of doing this Valley Patriots um, project for the past 15 years? I think because I can work for myself mm. and I can make my own schedule every day, it allows me to do side projects like Heroes in Our Midst, the book that we put out honoring local veterans. It allows me to go out and do homeless uh, advocacy and help people in the community. When someone calls me, probably one of my, my most fulfilling thing about this job is when someone calls me and says, you're not going to believe what happened, and they tell me their story, and then they tell me that they went to the Globe and the Herald and the, Lowell, and the, and the Tribune and the Lowell Sun, and nobody would touch mm -hmm. their story, and then I write their story, and they get a response from their elected officials because some elected official read it in the paper. And then they call me back and say, listen, thank you so much for that story you wrote. You're not going to believe it. I got a call from Senator so-and-so, and they're actually mm -hmm. helping. <coughs> to me, that's the most fulfilling is that we can use this paper as a vehicle, not just to disseminate news and to allow people to express their opinions, but all the offshoot things that happen. This movie that just came out, hopefully, we've been able to use the vehicle of the Valley Patriot to help people who are addicted. We've been able to help people who are homeless. We've been able to help veterans get the recognition that they deserve. And I think for me, if this paper would ever go away, the saddest part of that would be all of these other things. There would be no bash. There would be no book. There would be no honoring veterans. There would be no helping homeless people because I'd have to go out and get a real job and I wouldn't have time for all this stuff. That's right. But because I mm. work for myself, if I want to, like, one, like certain things like the week before the paper comes out, I'm stuck in my office putting the paper together. But the paper came out on Tuesday, and now for the next week, I can kind of do whatever I want. If I, if I want to come in and do a show, I can do a show. If I want to spend tomorrow all day going out doing homeless interdiction, I can do that. If I want to work on Heroes in Our Midst Part 2, which I'm, I am working on at the moment. And I'm actually working on another book called Shots Fired about all the crazy things that I've seen driving through the city of Lawrence chasing police calls. None of those things happen without the Valley Patriot. The Valley Patriot is the foundation for all of these things. And so to answer your question, and I guess maybe I spent too long answering it, that's what gives me my most fulfillment is that, A, we get to help people in ways that a newspaper normally wouldn't mm. because, I, because I work for me. I don't work for anybody else, and I have the freedom to be able to do some of these side, these side things, Very good. including the show. Like yeah. If I had a nine-to-five job and I had to work for someone else, there's no way we'd be able to do the show. Not in the afternoon, right? anyway. Yeah. So, um, so that's pretty much it. So what did we, we hit, Jonathan? We hit the movie. We hit the 15th anniversary edition, which is being delivered right now. Uh, please, at, please patronize our advertisers. That's what keeps us in business. We have no Valley Patriot if there are no advertisers. And there are no advertisers if the people who read our paper don't go in and say, hey, I saw your ad in the Valley Patriot. I want to buy a pizza or whatever it is, wherever you're going. Uh, what else do we have? Anything else? Uh, we have we have a bunch of news things. We only got 15 minutes left. Do you want to talk about your column? Uh, if you'd like, whatever you want to talk about. So your column I'll just this, follow you. Your column this month was about Bob Kraft. Yeah, and it was interesting because it was a very different take than what I had. My take on the whole Bob Kraft thing is the only real crime here is that the guy's a zillionaire and he still has to pay for it. Like if I had his money, I would throw a party in my million dollar home. And I would have no problem getting laid. This guy, unfortunately, is a zillionaire and still can't make it work. He's got to go pay for it. To me, that's the only crime. You have a very different take, though, Paul. What well, did what, what, did you, what did you get out of it? I'm, I'm curious as to what somebody who reads that, that, isn't, that isn't me would actually see in that column. I think you're right because you're making moral arguments. 
All right. And, and, and one of the reasons why I love, and I'm, I'm going to kiss your ass a little bit, even though hey, it, needs little, your head it needs a little bit. One of the reasons why you've been my co-host, you were my mm-hmm. co-host on CDP for years, then on HAV for however long we were there, and now here, is because I admire that you walk the walk. You're a very moral person. You're a Catholic, and you follow your Catholic faith very closely, and you live it. I'm not saying you're perfect. But you walk the walk, and you think of things from a moral perspective when most of us think of things from a political perspective. That's that's true. That last sentence, no question. And, and I think the discussion on the political level needs to have a moral component, and I think you bring that. And, and by the and way, it, or else it won't change. And by the way, what Paul? Yes, I happy don't know what 15th support. anniversary. It's not just our oh, yeah. 15th anniversary; it's your 15th anniversary that's right. because you've the only columnist that's been with us. Wow. for the entire 15 years from the very first edition of the Valley Patriot. Wow. As far as I can remember, I don't think there's anybody else that's been with us the whole time. Uh, we have three ad- me. We have three advertisers that have been with us the whole time, but you're the only columnist that's been with us the wow. whole time. So it's you, just, it's, just you and I. It's your it's your anniversary <laughs> you as well start, as it's You ours. started at the beginning, too. I did, yeah. So, but I don't have a piece of the paper. I don't, there's, no. there's nothing coming back to well, me, Tom. You, you, you know can, what I'm saying? Listen, you can buy in if you want. <laughs> nothing coming back here. You can buy in if you uh, want. Just know you're going to get sued. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> know, right. know that up front. Yeah. Ain't that the truth. Right? I don't even, you know what? I don't even care about this lawsuit anymore. I've really just thrown my hands up at this point. And I'm like, you know what? Whatever happens, happens. I don't even care. Because at the end of the day, my lifestyle is not going to change one bit. I'm going to just keep doing what I do every day. And mm. if I get a bad headline, I lose a lawsuit, whatever. I don't think we're going to lose. But if we do, whatever. Uh, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Uh, but people who are investing in the paper or want to invest in the paper need to know, need to know up front. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to candy coat it. I'm controversial. I piss people off. I piss people off because I call things the way I see it. And it doesn't mean I'm always right, but I call it the way I see it. And when you call things the way you see it, there's always somebody who's going to be trying to bankrupt you by lawsuit, who's trying to shut you down, who's trying to silence you. So um, we're happy to have your money, Paul, if you want to buy in. <laughs> pretty, pretty cheap right now. <laughs> I'm, uh, if I can weigh in on the uh, Robert Kraft thing, and, and Paul, I will read your yeah. article. I, I have not read it. All right. I think the biggest travesty in this is that he gets his name dragged through the mud. If it's anybody else, it's right. Right. buried somewhere in the uh, police report, yep. and that's it. Bill Smith, who got arrested, his name's not all over front page. Well, well here, here's here's how you judge that. Name the name the other twenty five guys in this case. Right, correct. Right. No, you're yeah. absolutely right about that. And you know, isn't that a shame? You know, I always one of the things we try to do with the Valley Patriot is you know someone uh, Senator so and so's son. Oh, here's a better example. Jim Lyon's son, he's a, he was a state representative. Jim Lyon's son got arrested for something one day. And the headline was Jim Lyon's son, Representative Lyon's right. son arrested for something. Well, that's not fair. Just because this kid's father is an elected official, why should his name be on the front page of the paper when everybody else that got arrested for drunk driving or whatever it was, their name's in the police log on page 19? And so we try not to do that stuff. We try not to go after people's families. We try, even with the Jim Jajuga thing, you know, there's a whole. There's a whole rumor mill going through in Lawrence, in Methuen, because Jim Jajuga's son is a captain and he voted on the contract. It's not the son's fault. And people go on Methuen Sound Off and a couple of other pages and start ripping the son apart. Look, whatever you think of the mayor of Methuen, you don't attack his son. His son didn't vote on a contract. His son didn't do anything wrong. His son's a cop, and that's it. Like, you don't go after the son. No matter, no matter what you think of the father, you don't go after the son. No, and, and parents don't necessarily, um, I mean, they, they are not responsible for what their adults' children do. Right. You know? How, sure as hell, my parents, my parents don't want to be held responsible for what I do, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe as their children, but not as their adults. Right. Yeah. So is that it on your column, Paul? I think uh, you have a lot more on that. Well, no. Um, it's called Craft, Sex, and Cultural Confusion. And basically, the, the column, uh, the base of the column is asking the question, why is this wrong? Why do people think this whole thing is wrong? It's been getting 24-7 news coverage. And, uh, and then I say, I, the crux of it here is, uh, well, the women who may have been victims of human trafficking. Then I say, does this mean it would have been okay if they weren't? Yes. Uh, B, prostitution is illegal. Well, if it were legal, would that make this okay? Yes. And number three, Kraft is a billionaire and a public person. Well, if he was anonymous and poor, would it be any less wrong? So I'm asking the question to society, what do we find wrong about this? Right. I I honestly don't think most people 
even people who are feeding into this find anything wrong with it. I think, and yet it's a it's a huge, it's humongous. They it, want the guys humiliated. They want to trash Kraft because people hate the Patriots, mm. right? And and people hate Bob Kraft and people hate Tom Brady. And it's just a way. But the guy from Boston Sports said this on Tucker one night, and he's right. Mm. People want to trash the Patriots. And that's what it's really all about. Yeah, but how could it be? How could they even be trashed if many people don't think that it's wrong? You know what I'm saying? Well, because people like to go after people they don't like. That's it. Look, if Donald Trump did something wrong, if Donald Trump did jaywalked one day, it would be three days on CNN because they hate Donald Trump. Even though they don't care about jaywalking, they don't think jaywalking is really a big deal, but they hate Donald Trump. So it becomes about the man, not the deed. And they hate Kraft because Kraft owns the Patriots and they hate the Patriots. Just like Tom Duggan, just like the Eagle Tribune can do a story after story after story on the opioid crisis in Lawrence and nobody says, damn that Eagle Tribune, they hate Lawrence. But Tom Duggan does a story on the opioid crisis in Lawrence and he's a damn racist. <laughs> because they already hate Tom Duggan, so it's just an excuse to trash Tom Duggan. That's what it is. Right. But there has to be, in the foundation of the act, there has to be something wrong with it in order to put all of these other things on top of that. Um, and so we still have a society that says this is wrong, whether it's publicized or not. Question is why? I honestly think that prostitution should be legalized. Okay. I've never been to a prostitute. I've never had to go to a prostitute. But if some poor guy can't get laid and some woman is willing to have sex with him for money, who is the government to say any different? In an age where we say that what a woman does with her own body is her business, she can go to the Clatter and Lawrence. I'm just going to use that as an example because that's where I go. She can go to the Clatter and Lawrence and she can pick up five guys and bring all five guys home and have sex with all five guys and the government says nothing about that. True. But if she says, you know what, I took a night off from work to come out and do this. You guys need to kick in 50 bucks to make it worth my time. Somehow that's the government's fault. That that's the government's the purview. The government has something to say about that. It's only illegal because the government wants a cut. Because someone's making money and they can't tax it. That's the only reason why it's illegal. Correct. I think that's, I think that's part of the, uh, the legality uh, arguments. Um, the question, though, I think, even more so, is the morality arguments. I mean, what is, what is wrong with going to a stranger and getting uh, sexual favors from them? Morally? Yeah. Well, moral, it's immoral. There's no question it's immoral. Well, it's, I think... It's a selfish act where two people are using each other for different reasons. Shouldn't this be a discussion as to what the proper meaning and purpose of human sexuality is before we even get to the legal question. Yes. But but that discussion hasn't been discussed, it's for, never discussed. For, for decades, if not centuries. I mean, shouldn't we have a, a discussion about this? Yes, which is why I think you provide tremendous value in my newspaper and on this show, because you bring a moral element to political discussions. I think that discussion does need mm. to be had. But let me ask you this. Mm. Can something be immoral and still be legal? Yes. Should something be immoral Yes, some and things, still be legal. Something should be, yes. Right? Because yes. being illegal means the government is going to punish you for doing it. I think uh, smoking okay. marijuana is immoral for some people, unless you're doing it for medical reasons, uh, because, because it's a selfish act and it's something that hurts your body. However, should the government have a say in whether or not you can grow a plant and smoke it? No, they shouldn't. They should have no say in that whatsoever. I think the government should have, have a say when something becomes detrimental to the common good mm -hmm. of the people. That's the government's role. Right. And I think there are three layers to that, even though modern society ignores the second layer. And that is the nation itself, the family, and the individual. And like I said, we, we have been so um, fixated on the individual lately. And the other side, the left, is kind of fixated on the state both of those extremes, um, if, they, if they're focused on as extremes, the middle is lost. And I think the government does have an interest in protecting its own rear end, the, na the nation, as well as the family and the individual. So do you think prostitution should remain illegal? Um, I think it should be more consistent. Let me put it that way. I think it should be more consistent. The example that you just gave about the woman who takes home five guys... Mm -hmm. I think somehow if prostitution is illegal, that should somehow be illegal. Now, right. I'm not sure how you can do it. Right. If there's a way to do this kind of stuff, I would just make it more consistent across the board. Right. And I, I you know, it's, if you're going to try to save the family, and, th and that's the only way to save society is to save the family, then you've got to have very serious conversations about the, uh, the, the meaning and purpose of love, sex, and family. The other thing that um, I've talked about a number of times on this program, even when we were on, on radio, mm -hmm. 
is that prostitution is illegal. Paying a woman for money, uh, paying a woman money for sex is illegal, or paying a guy for sex is illegal, but pornography is not illegal. So if you're having sex on camera and selling it, that's okay. But if you're having sex not on camera and not selling it, that's not okay. Which is bizarre. It's It's, very inconsistent. It's very inconsistent. It's just like all of the age laws. All of the age laws need to be redone. For example, if a guy has, if, if a guy, if you're 17 and your girlfriend is 16 and you have sex, that's not illegal. If you're Take a picture of your girlfriend. Who, if you're 17 and you take a picture of your 16-year-old girlfriend naked, that is illegal. That's child pornography. Well, wait a minute. How, how can one be illegal and one not be illegal? It's okay to physically have sex with a 16-year-old, but it's not okay to take a picture of her and disseminate that picture. Yeah, I mean, it's it's none of it makes sense. No. Because we have gotten rid of the whole notion of good and bad out of the picture. Right. And now it's just freedom. Freedom, right. freedom has become the new good. You can't smoke a cigarette... Under the age of 21 in Massachusetts, but you can go off and die for your country at 18. You can and have a vote, ab- by the way. You can and, also and you can vote. vote. And you can have an abortion at 12, but you can't smoke a cigarette, right? Mm. So all of, all of these age re- restrictions, all of these s- so-called sin, uh, sin laws are all way out of whack. None of them are consistent. None of them mm. make any sense whatsoever. There really needs to be a streamlining. But because we have elected officials that really just don't give a shit... And they just and, react and, to whatever the news of the day is. All of this is just falling apart. And I would say even a society that doesn't give, you know, a, a piece of excrement also. <laughs> say that again? <laughs> it's not just the government that doesn't care. It's the, it's the society that doesn't well, well, we, yeah. we need to have a, a whole new uh, revision of, of the meaning and purpose of responsibility. What it, mean, what it means to be a human being and in human responsibility. Well, it's just like when we had the Methuen discussion a couple of months ago when we were talking about all the corruption that's going on in Methuen, and I said, I blame the voters. They knew who these people were when they voted for them. They mm-hmm. voted for them anyway. So yeah, you can you can blame corrupt officials for being corrupt, but you got to blame the voters for putting them in knowing who they were. Yeah, yeah. That's true in every organization. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, people can cry all they want that Congress is so corrupt. Congress has a, has a lower approval rating than the media does, believe it or not. And yet, we voted for them. We keep putting them in office. So it's, it's on us, really. As a society, it's on us, I think. It's this a reflection is, of Voice us. to God, you must have something to say on this. I don't disagree with much that you guys are saying. Really? I, 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 uh, I do think... We depend on you to disagree. That's sorry, why we have you here. I do think that uh, taking a picture of a minor, I get why that's illegal. I mean, you, you're, you are making a reproduction of it that could be shown later. Right. So I understand why that would be illegal. But I'm with you on the age laws. They are... They, they seem to be arbitrary. Right. And please, nobody email me and say that I said that child pornography is okay. I'm not, that's no, not what I'm not. saying at all. I'm I, just I saying that the laws are inconsistent. They are. And I, I do believe that at the point that you are old enough to be entrusted with the most important right that we have, which is to vote, you should be able to partake in anything up to and including drinking. Right. You have the ability to decide who is going to be our elected officials and represent us in Washington and be the president. Ah, you, you should be able to, to do it all. There should You're be an adult. There should be one law. We should have what we call the adult law. Whatever age they decided to be, 18, 21, 16, whatever the government decides, pick an age that you say that a human being is now an adult and can make their own flipping decisions. And then at that point, they can take naked pictures and put it online. They can smoke. They can drink. They can serve their country. They can run for office. Uh, they can do whatever it is that they want to do. There should be one law that says one age, this is what it is, and that's it. Otherwise, we just become a society collapsing. Amen to that. What about driving? Same thing? Driving? No, you're going to be 30. Okay. Too many kids on the road. By the way, where's the voice of purgatory? Why do we have the voice of God today? Yeah, he's at a uh, a podcast convention. Oh, he is? Learning how to become a better producer. Excellent. For this show. So we're we're, we're going to, for the next show, we want uh, Ed Sullivan to give us a presentation on what he learned. Okay. All right. I'll set that up. We want to make sure that our money was well spent sending him to this conference. He's got quite a media name, though, Ed Sullivan. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, Our ratings are up, which is amazing because we're only doing one show a month. The 15th anniversary bash, April 5th at the Firefighters Relief Inn. You can buy your tickets in advance on eventbrite.com. If you want to sponsor a table for veterans, if you want to sponsor any of our scholarships, hit me up on Facebook or valleypatriot at aol.com. Yes, Paul? just want to say... um 
go to my newly uh, launched website, palmerano.com. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. All right. I'm going to post that. We'll help you get some uh, viewers. Thank you, Rich, for being here. Thank you, Voice of God. And we will see you next month. Valley Patriots on the streets as we speak. Melvin Taylor says go home, so go home already. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.